And let's ask the Lord to cover us. Father, allow us to develop this the way you want it to be, Father, so that people really can receive it, accept it, understand it, and make a change in our lives, Father. We want to become what you want us to be, and we also want to have an understanding of why we go through things, what's being challenged, what are we supposed to do. Help us out with it, Father. Holy Spirit, you lead, you teach, and allow us to glorify you in all things and let only truth come out. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. And so this is what I wrote to you. That, uh, And I'm going to read what I wrote because it's a good premise to start with. And you should have received this by an email blast. If you're not getting the email blast, um, just sign up. Um, with touchheaven.com online, and you'll get these email blasts from time to time. And if you're not receiving the POTUS Shield Alerts, I sent one out this week. How many of you got a POTUS Shield Alert this week on Israel? Then please, you know, just text on your phone, on your message. About Israel? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the bottom line is they, they asked for a ceasefire, but it's dividing the government. And, and those, those, uh, uh, segments of the government that are a little bit more hawkish um, didn't want a ceasefire because they believe, and they're probably right, that Hamas won't agree with it. So they put Netanyahu's cabinet in jeopardy. We got to keep that man in for a while. Uh, you know, he's got the chutzpah. He's called of God. He survived multiple presidents that were trying to handcuff him. And, um, and, and the man has the balance. They've attacked his wife with all kind of incriminations. So we're praying for him. We're praying for the country. We're praying for the safety of the land. But we're also praying that, you know, God's justice be served. And we don't want to quit praying for uh, the strangers in the land, the Arabs in the land, and those that are toys and tools between all of this as well. You know, and so we want to keep a heart for that. But if you haven't received the POTUS Shield alerts and you would like to and you have a phone, just go to the message part of your phone. And, and for those of you online watching, I want to say hi to you. It's John that wrote us, J-O-N, and also a Helen, I believe. Holly. Holly, hello, Holly. I said I would say hi to you. Thank you. I know they're watching us in Africa and some other places that we've traveled to, so it's very encouraging. And I want to bless you and thank all of you. Uh, Cyrus, Kairos, thank you. Pre Doctor, appreciate what you're doing that you stand with us everywhere. I could just keep naming people. But, but uh, in any regard, if you want to receive the POTUS Shield alerts, which don't come out that often, then you go to the message part of your phone and you just go 313131. And then under the message, you say POTUS Shield. All one word, small case, P-O-T-U-S, shield, S-H-I-E-L-D, no space in between. And if you ever want to opt out, you just say out and it's gone. Um, we don't send many, but we do send them when they're timely. In any regard, this is what I wrote. God gave his all in all. Who did he give? He gave his son, his only begotten son. So we realize that God gave his all in all. He gave the most precious treasure he had so that we, he could then recreate the creatures of his image into champions of faith, and that we could become spiritual powerhouses built to overcome on earth and heaven. And then I ask you this question, and I'm going to ask it to you now as well. Even though you know who you are in God, and you know you have lots of promises, and God is all-powerful, and you're in him, do you ever feel like you're being tossed around by circumstances? That you're really not in control? That circumstances are pushing you to the left, to the right, backwards, and seem in some way to restrict and even divert your path? 
Are you confused about doctrine? You should be if you're not, if you don't have a firm doctrine yourself that you've relied upon because there's too much doctrine that is divisive. There's schisms in the body of Christ, you know, that say this, that say that, that accuse this, that accuse that. And it can become very confusing. And, and are you wondering why some things that you hear and are being taught aren't working for you? Being honest. Anybody here? You know, you say, well, these things, yeah, I mean, I believe in faith. They're working for me, but they're not working for me, right? And, and that's a good, you, you, and are, you, are you not experiencing victory in your life over the forces of evil? working against you. It seems sometimes you're getting knocked down when you're fighting so hard to come up and you're saying, where's the victory in my life? And, uh, and be assured, what I've said is that you have a better way and now's your time to take authority over your life and turn your woes into triumphs of success. And I suggested that those who came and those who are online get on the ground floor of this message because we're going to build. Now, I want to get a little prophetic with you. Um, we're going to be dealing with scriptures about building and edifying and what it means to be a builder and how God builds us up. You are a work in process from the very beginning. No one's ever completed. And that work in process requires things be inserted to build you up and some things be taken out. And, and we've all had that. Right down. We love that when it says, you know, we love the, the Lord. He gives us all things shaken down pressed down and abundant. Well, I don't know about you, but bad stuff when it gets pressed down, you know, if you have an abscess and you press it down, what comes out? Nothing that you really want to share with anybody, right? And so shaking and pressed down sometimes means the bad stuff oozes out and the good stuff comes in. So we need to know that the building process is removing stuff that's inhibiting you from what God wants you to be and can make you to be, and it's adding the stuff that you want it to be. Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet that it shall be measured unto you again. Now, in that process, in that process where God is building us up, we need to understand that there are significant laws of the kingdom of God. There are also things that we have accepted because we've either been told them without really getting the revelation and understanding of God, or they just seem logical. One of those things is the image that we create in our mind when we think about God building the temple, God building you, God building the church. There are scriptures that talk about him building you individually, and there are scriptures that talk about us being built together as the body of Christ. And there's, there's scriptures about building the kingdom of God. Well, we know, and we will go through some of these scriptures. So it creates the study guide that I hope you have. We know that it says what? That there's a foundation. And God built and is building upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. We also know he's the head of the church and we're the body and that he fulfills everything in abundance in the body. So on one end, he's the head, and on the other end, he's the cornerstone. Now, we could say, well, he's the beginning and the end and the top and the bottom. I'm going to take you out of your comfort zone and help you get, stop thinking linear in a dimension that restricts you. We think in a dimension of our faith, if it's restricted, of what we see, what we know, here with our senses, what our logic is, but there's a, a greater dimension. It's called the spiritual dimension of God. And that dimension is not restricted. It doesn't have the same framework that our dimension has 
in the human element. So what does it mean? What are you, what are you saying, Pastor? Here's what I'm saying. Here's how I believe. Remember that one of the, the, the mantras of this ministry is that we continue to build upon the firm foundation of the Word of God with fresh revelation. If that is a fact, and I can show it to you scripturally, then it means that this might have been your foundation when you started, but your foundation has had levels of foundations put upon it. Very interesting, if you go to ancient civilizations and you begin to uh, excavate uh, for architecture, they'll discover something at a level and then they'll dig through it once they've got all the goodies and treasures out of that. There's something else that was the original foundation that's below that one. Then they go through that level and there's another one. When they find a dig in Israel, and they almost always do, that's why it takes so long to build stuff over there, it becomes another treasure. And they have laws, strict laws of architectural findings. Everything freezes. They send the archaeologists in, they send the scientists in, and they want to preserve what they find. And because it's also the religious sector that's saying we don't want to in any way damage anything that we find, they end up going through levels, sometimes six, seven levels of findings, different foundations that things are built upon. And so this was a foundation, but then this became the foundation, but then this became the foundation. And, and, I, and I want you to get that image about you and the building of God as a foundation. This might have been the original foundation that Christ was building upon with those apostles and prophets, but the office of apostle and prophet was not abolished. There was not one foundation built and then it was over. It was building upon foundations, which means at each level of foundation, Christ is still the cornerstone. He's not a cornerstone down on the bottom level. He's a cornerstone that's rising up with each foundation as you're building so that it has what? A horizontal dimension to it and a vertical dimension to it. God is building you so that you establish a new foundation as you go. All things are made new. Former things have passed away. What does Paul say? He said, I've not yet perfected. I haven't yet apprehended, but I'm moving on upward and onward, forward and upward. His foundations keep building. That's how we're to be. Our foundations are supposed to keep building. Some people get stuck in one foundation. They don't want anything new. That's all they want. That worked for me, that's what it is. And if anybody's teaching you something else, I don't know, you know, it could be a cult, it could be this. Well, thank God I'm not stuck on that foundation I first got saved because I was a looney tune. I, I was dangerous. I was, I, I, I thought I knew a lot and I didn't know anything. And, and I see some of you nodding your heads and I thank God that, that I've received more grace and understanding even now than I had six months ago or a year ago or seven years ago. I thank God the foundation keeps building. As that foundation keeps building, Jesus stays the cornerstone. What is the cornerstone? That's what you lay that gives you the parameter of everything you're building. You go off of that cornerstone and that gives you the framework of how you lay the foundation. And then it moves up and Jesus is still the cornerstone. But because we are his church and his body, he's also the head. So he's on top and he's right there with us. He's doing both as you build. Please get that image in your mind because the foundations, think of it this way too. Look at the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and Isaac built upon Abraham and Jacob built upon him, and Solomon built upon David, and the prophets built upon each other, and, 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 the, and the apostles built upon what Jesus had given them, and those who came after them built upon that. We're still building, 
And revelation hasn't decreased and it hasn't quit. It's increased and it's continuing to flow. Amen. We're not writing new Bibles. We're getting fresh revelation out of the written word of God. And as long as it comports with the word of God, it's good. If it doesn't comport with the word of God, you push it aside. Sometimes I get in trouble because I question things that we've accepted in religion that I cannot prove in the word of God. And then people get upset. Few have left the church. They said, I didn't like the way you said that, but they couldn't find a scripture in there to tell me why I said it wrong. What I am teaching and saying is we want to build upon the firm foundation of God. I don't want any man's intellect, any man's interpretation. I want to see it in the word of God. And if there's revelation that fits in that, I want to hear it. I want to receive it. I want to build with it. Thank God that John the Revelator received fresh revelation and wasn't just going by what he had heard from before him. We would have had nothing. And thank God that we've had Zionists and people that have said, I feel God calling us back to Israel, even though it was in the scriptures, it had to happen in a different way. So having said that, to become the spiritual powerhouse you are meant to be, I want you to understand this, this also. The kingdom of God is established as a government. What does it mean to be a government? It's not a church. The kingdom of God is not a church. It's a government. A government means there's a king that governs. It's a kingdom government. And there are citizens of the kingdom. And the citizens of that kingdom have rules of citizenship. And they also have dominion of the kingdom they're in. We have dominion in the kingdom that we're in. We are not just members of a faith or a religion or even a local church, and that's all good. I'm, we need that. But we are members of a greater thing called the kingdom of God, and it's a government. You happen to have a title within that government. You have multiple titles. Some of them are kings and priests. Thank our God who has made us kings and priests. You're not the king of his kingdom. You're a king in his kingdom. He's the king of his kingdom. You're not the priest of his kingdom. You're a priest in his kingdom. As a king, it means that you have to have authority and dominion. Kings have authority and dominion. So you have a sphere of influence that God has given you to be a king. Some have begun to realize their spheres. Some have not yet. If you have a household, you're the head of a household. You're the king of that household. And, and we understand that according to the New Testament, that it's not an authoritarian kingship. It's one where the weaker vessel is served with all that you have as, as an equal and that we're moving forward with it. If you are given an office to operate in the, in the kingdom and the government of God, you have a sphere of influence within that kingdom. And we could go on. A priest is one that what? Ministers to the people and, and presents what they minister to God for the people. And so you are priests also. Not a priest so that you can just go have a, a, a selfie party in the throne room. You're a, three, you're a priest so that you can go there to serve God's people. You go in the throne room to serve God's people and to serve yourself. So you're a king and a priest in the kingdom of God. Now, if you are, then the elements, and besides that, we'll get into more about the callings of God. The elements of what God has for you funnels through those positions that God has given you. The position of a king and the position of a priest. Now, when a priest of the Old Testament went into the throne room and when it was time for sacrifices, they were not begging and pleading with God. They were declaring the law of Moses before them. 
They didn't go in with wishy-washy prayers that didn't realize what they needed to do or what was going to happen. They already knew the procedure. They knew the process. They were abiding by it, and they believed that if they were genuine and God's grace was moving upon them, that they would achieve what they went into the, to the Holy of Holies for. We need that same mentality in the church today. We need to understand that declaration is the highest form of being a king in the kingdom, not wishy-washy prayers. They're okay. Why do you say, Pastor, why do you say wishy-washy prayers? We spend too much time praying for stuff that God has already given us. I didn't lose any sleep praying against critters in my room. I'm just being honest with you. I got the peace of God inside of me. I said, those ants are going to be here. They're going to do what they want, but they can't touch me. And I told him, you can't get in my case. You can't get in my shoes. I didn't have one ant in my shoes. And Ralph will tell you, my room was filled with black ants. His wasn't. Nobody else. Mine was. I said, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and worry about black ants. Those little creatures running around in there, it ain't the first time I'm a farm boy that I've seen little mice or rats. I just said, you aren't allowed to touch me. The snake I laughed at. I said, nice try, but, you know, you got no room here. And it, why? Because it's a declaration. I know who I am. And the Lord said that nothing, no evil will come against you. Nothing shall strike you. You shall tread upon serpents and scorpions. I declared it. You see, I don't need to pray to God to do what he already said to do. I need to accept it. I want to bring you to that level. I want to take you to that level to become the spiritual powerhouse that God has called you to be. Why? Because if you're alive, and I brought that message in D.C., and I brought it again to Africa, and I bring it everywhere I go. If you are alive and breathing and in Christ in, in, in the present world now, you have been designed and created to become an overcomer. These are those who overcame by the blood of the Lamb. God has given you everything inside of you that needs to be drawn out and activated, and you need to accept to overcome everything. Everything. Not some things. Everything. Because if you're in the body of Christ, and you are, it says that the fullness of Christ is therein. You have the fullness of everything in Christ, in the body of Christ. How did Jesus teach us to pray? Now, you know, he, he told them several things. But the one prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, the one prayer, what did he say? Think about it. Let's just get through a little portion of it. Our Father, right? Our Father, who art in heaven. Where's God? In heaven. Is there a heaven? Jesus says there is. Where's the Father? In heaven. We can get all kind of doctrine that wants to change all of that. Bottom line is Jesus said, our Father, not my Father, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Otherwise, worship him as being the Holy Father. He said, establish worship with him. The Father loves worship, so worship God. Don't just go to him and tell him what you want. Worship him. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. And then what's next? Thy kingdom come. Where? On earth. How? As it is in heaven. Wow. Do you think that there are any issues with the tissues in heaven? Do you think there's any problems that God hasn't solved in heaven? Do you think that God has a lack of anything in heaven? Jesus said, call it to earth. Bring it down to earth. Now, you know I finished, and this is probably an extension of it, Heaven on Earth series. The, 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 the thing that we just did in Africa, the conference was titled Heaven on Earth. We brought heaven to earth. We're teaching them what you've been receiving, and they've been getting some of it. But you know what? It's life-changing for them. 
because they don't hear it somewhere else. And they held on to every word of it and began to immediately put it into action, calling what's in heaven on earth. And so as kings, as kings and priests, you have the authority, the right, and have been commanded of Christ to call heaven on earth. Our Father, send us heaven now on earth, even as it is in heaven. Send us the kingdom. Send us the kingdom. So we want to rule from within the kingdom here on earth. Now, let's talk a little bit about building. Building is a very interesting concept, isn't it? How many of you have ever built anything or been part of building something? You know, a house, a structure, um, a business. You put pieces together, right? You continue to build it. Some of it goes on and on and on. You finish one thing and something else begins to happen. And we just celebrated the fact that we got our parking lot installed, which was one of the final pieces of having totally renovated this building. And already the Lord has shown me we're about to start some building projects within the building. Right? Some of them are old, been seven years old. I don't know whether it's just me or whether it's God or the angels that are in here. They're tired of seeing the same stuff. But we're going to start building. We're going to work on the stage. We're going to work on the fellowship area. We're going to work on some new colors. We're going to work on some new areas and new ways and new procedures and people and things that we do. Um, I'm very inspired by it. But building is a verb. It's an action verb to build, right? And, and, it, and it means to construct something. Well, interestingly enough, when you look at the translations of the word used from the beginning of Genesis 1.26 all the way up to the epistles, no matter whether it was in the, in the Greek and the Hebrew or in the Aramaic or in the Greek or translated in different languages or different Bible translations, it all means to construct to completion, build to completion, fulfill something, complete something that's been begun. And so building on a scriptural reference uh, is typically putting parts together, right? When you build something, you put parts together. Things have to come together. They have to fit. And the dimensions matter a lot. If you build something disproportionate, it's going to fall. It's not going to last. It's, it's not going to have integrity. It's not going to look good. Uh, you're going to wish you did it a different way if you use the wrong materials. In, in, in the, you know, for example, you don't build down in the heat of Florida like you build up here. They, they call insulation a little thin piece of plastic. Uh, Jimmy and I used to shake our heads. That's insulation. And we'd say, no, no, we're going to go to Home Depot, get a roll of insulation. We couldn't even find it. It's a, it's a roll of plastic. If we put it here, you'd be, your heat bills would be out the door. You'd, and, and you'd say, this is crazy. And at the same time, when they build a house and, and, and we had to hurricane-proof it, the walls could be 24 inches thick with poured concrete and everything else. You build that here, the cost of your house is going to go up four times more. And you're going to say, what would you do that for? You don't need that. And so you have to build in the right environment the right way. We need to build and be built as children of God and people of God for the right way for the time and place where we are. Do you understand that? And so it's all a function of, of that. And um, we also need to understand that there are synonyms that are scriptural for this. One of them is framing. Another one for building that's a synonym in, in the scriptural word is body. Building the body. Building the body. And it goes again back to Genesis 1.26, what I'll do in a moment. And um, the divine way of God is what he tells us 
in uh, Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, if we could go there for a moment. I'd like to just touch Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. Then we'll go back to Genesis 1, 26. And, um, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, right? We understand that before we were redeemed by God in Christ, we were dead in what? Trespasses and sins. It needed to be quickened. What's quickened? Make alive. It's to make alive. It's to give life to it. And you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Next verse. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Stop right there. The people that are in the dark, that are not enlightened, that are not the ones that have been quickened in the things of God, they walk, but they walk a course that has taken them the wrong place. There's a path that they're on. There's a path we were on. And we know that's the path of death and destruction. It's the path of, that feeds the lusts of the flesh. It feeds the pride of the flesh. It feeds our wantons and our jealousies and our good times, and whatever it is, our evil sources and forces, our love for money, whether it was a love for sex, a love for drugs, a love for alcohol, it was a lot of things. We had to be separated from those things so that we could walk a different course. But, but when you look at that, the course of this world, he then defines it, which is according to the prince and the power of air. So it means that the, the converse of the path that we're on, which we'll talk about in a moment, is one of what? It's one that is controlled by the satanic kingdom. It's a path that's walking in a different kingdom than the kingdom of God. Two kingdoms opposed to each other. And it's according to the prince of the power of the air. What air? There's three heavens. There's this heaven that we realize goes up to the end of our atmosphere, the exosphere. That's the heaven where we get the rain and, and, and what we have. It's where oxygen is. The second heaven is when you step out of it and go into outer space. The third heaven is dimension. When you go into that heaven, it's a spiritual heaven. He's talking about the prince of the power of the air that's moving about in this atmosphere. There's an atmosphere in this world that has evil forces working in it. We need to be aware of that. Now, some would say, oh, that's foolishness. No, it's not foolishness. It's reality. And when we understand that and realize what we're dealing with, then we exercise dominion and authority over it because we don't write it off as being foolish. Right? There are people who don't want to believe in hell. But at some point, everybody believes in hell. Whether it's alive or dead, they're going to believe in hell. They can write it off. When I came out of the Jewish faith, there was no teaching or, or understanding of hell. Sheol and all of that was, was never understood to be hell. And there really was no teaching for heaven. There was a teaching for, for the dead to become alive again, but it wasn't an understanding of a spiritual coming alive. That's why if you went to, to Jerusalem, if you go there and you look up the Mount of Olives and, and the gate, the Western Gate, you'll see that there are tombstones there. And they were put there by Jews who believe that when the Messiah comes, they're going to come up out of their grave and walk into Jerusalem with them. So they wanted to be there. Interestingly enough, the Muslims started planting people there, but they're facing the other way. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? And the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. So we understand there's a course. And I look at it this way. As I was, as I was looking at that, I said, Lord, what's that course look like? 
How many of you have watched the Olympics or something where there's bobsled races? And you know, I've never ceased to amaze me why everybody can't win that thing. I mean, if you get in there and you practice it enough and you don't hit the sides, you should win because you're just going downhill. You can't really get off the course, right? You can bang on one side, bang on the other side. And I guess if you push the bobsled fast enough, I always thought to myself, I maybe missed my calling. I should have got me two big boys and we should have been bobsled racers. We could have gone to the Olympics and go find some country, you know, that has nobody that's, that's racing bobsleds. Remember the movie? Go to that country say, we found one one thousandth of a DNA of your country and you and and you know your nature and you. We want to bobsled for your country. We could have been in in, in the uh, in the Olympics. Bobsledding has a gift to it, an art to it. But you get on this course and you're just gonna go on that course till you get to the end of it, right? That's a lot like what the course is in the world. You get on that course, it's like a bobsled. It's like a, a slalom thing. You go down, you're really not running it. There's rails on each side. You're already rained. You have to stay in that course. You can't escape it. There's no getting out of it until Christ quickens you and, and, and removes you from it. Now, when Christ quickens you and removes you from it, now you have a free will to choose the path that you're going to go on, right? And, and in that path, he says it's narrow, Enter into that path that's narrow, but when you do, I will order every footstep that you take. And so it's a path that we choose to be in, but it's a path that is enlightened. It's a path that has liberty and freedom to move even as the heart of God has given unto us that path. As we want to become the powerhouses that God has given to us, we need to realize that if we stick one foot in the slalom path, of, of, of the bobsled path, of the course of evil, and another foot in the narrow path of God, what do you think is going to happen? A train wreck. It's not going to, you're going to slip and slide. You're not going to be able to go forward. You're going to have one foot going before you down the slalom course, and the Lord can't direct your other foot because you've said, Lord, I'm going to play with this course. We need to realize these are real things, and that, and that they're so real that, you know, choose ye who you shall serve. Now, it's not hard to choose God. It's actually easy once you continue to choose God because he makes a way for everywhere that you go. And we're going to get into that um, to become a victory and an overcomer. It also tells us that you've become his workmanship and that you've been created and recreated as a brand new person. So let's go back to Genesis 1.26 a moment. And, you know, this is the beginning of what? Of, of God's relationship with man that has been exposed to us, even though he knew you from before the beginnings of the foundation of the earth. I have to share this with you um, from our uh, grandson. Could you look it up on your phone um, when Asher was talking to his daddy? This is profound. This is crazy. They sent it to me two days ago. Um, but God knew you and designed you before the beginnings of the foundation of the earth right? It means that he had a relationship with you. It means that you were in relationship with God before you were born. And so God created man in his image. And then it was necessary, what? To recreate man so that man could once again come back into what the plan of God was to build. That word, let us make man in our image, comes from a Hebrew word named asa. Asa, when you take it down to its roots, it means to make, to do, to build, to construct, to completion. 
So it says, God said, let us construct this man in our image to completion. And that's why he said, after our likeness. Because he, he framed what the completion is. The completion is for you to be created and recreated after the full fullness of God, the image of God, to the absolute completion of what you were designed to be, which is what? It's called perfection, which we'll get into in a moment. And then what? He said, and because of that, I'm going to make them a king. Let them have dominion. They're, they are the example of my kingdom here on earth. Our Father, heart in heaven, let thy kingdom come here on earth. The kingdom was already here on earth, but now God's recreated it. You've given dominion. And that word asa is the same word that if you keep translating it with all of the hundred times that the word is used to build in the scriptures, you will come up with the same thing. To construct, to add to, to fulfill, to move. Amen? And, and so, now, um, let's move on. I'm going to cut through a little bit of this. And let's go to, uh, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to teach out of now uh, verse 5. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, he has quickened us together with Christ by grace. Right? You were dead in sins, but he quickened you. He saved you. He redeemed you. He plucked you. He changed you. So that you, believer, were raised with Christ from the depths of sin and separation from God. For what reason? We're in verse 6. For what reason did God separate you unto himself? He made us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now let's go back to that word, made us. It's the same translation that was in Genesis 1, 26. He built you. He constructed you with the purpose to be completed so that you are together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He plucked Adam out of the earth and put him already in the spiritual dimension, the third heaven that is that place that's made just like him. And he says, you're in that heavenly place. Now, I want to stop right there because if we don't get any further, I really want this to permeate into your soul as we continue to build this series. And build it for what? For the equipping. You're equipping for you to be strong. You hear you're seated in heavenly places, but do you believe it? And, and do you act like you are? I know I have to continually kick myself to act like I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm just being blunt. Some of you may be more spiritual than me and you may have settled it. I have to continually kick myself to remember I'm already seated in a heavenly place. If you're seated in a heavenly place and that's ultimately where God is going to complete you, it means that you're already attaining the completion God has given you. If you minister from heaven onto earth, it's going to work much easier than if you minister from earth into heaven. You understand? We talk about thy father, you know, send thy kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, guess what? He's taking you a step further. And he's saying, you're seated with Christ in this heavenly place already. Now, where is Christ? It tells us in the book of John, Christ who is in the bosom of the Father. The bosom of the Father. What's the bosom? I was using this, this uh, correlation when we were in Africa and Priscilla, whom you've met, Pastor Priscilla, uh, was holding um, our grandson, 
Frankie Jr., who we identified. He's a little cracker. I, I'll tell you, he got the right name. That little guy was into everything all over the place. He grabbed my iPad and ran with it. He grabbed my phone, started hitting buttons. He stole my pens. He was playing with my nose. He would tap me this way and run that way. Little, he was a quirker. I said, this dude's got the right name, man. And his mother would start disciplining. I said, let him go. I'm enjoying it. And, and, and he sort of began to really bond to me because he realized that with Grandpa, he got away with everything. It was all good. And, and, but when it really came time for him, because he was getting totally out of hand, she took him up and nestled him to her bosom. And the minute he was there at his bosom, at her bosom, he calmed down. And within five minutes, he was asleep. And, and I pointed to it. I said, this, this little rascal right here, this chaotic, you know, this chaotic little, little guy that's out of control, the minute mama put him to the bosom, he knew right where he was at. We need to know that's where we're at, in the heavenly place of Christ. We're seated in the heavenly place. Christ is in the bosom of the Father, and the Father's holding us just like that. Christ is holding us. That's where you're at in the heavenly place. Why is it important to know that? Because it means you're right in the heart of God. You're right in the heart of God. And, and, you know, your children are beautiful. And, man, you don't want to deny them anything. And nobody mess with your children, right? You don't want to deny them anything. But they know when they're in mama's arms. They know when they're in daddy's arms. They know when you're in that place. And, and, and that intimate place of being in the bosom of the father. Amen. If you get nothing else as you're developing to become the spiritual powerhouse that you are, know where you are. Yes, you're still on earth. You still have a body. You still have to deal with the things of the earth. But you have the right of a priest right in the bosom of the throne room in the heart of God himself. You're seated in that heavenly place. And uh, the next verse, please. Verse 10. Let's go to verse 10. And I also want to say this. If you're seated there with God, and he extracted you from the course of the earth. It means that you've already been removed from the grip of doom and destruction. It's already, it's already beneath you. It can't have a stronghold on you unless you let it have one. You are already, you've already had victory over it because you're seated in that place. And you just need to remind yourself you're seated in that place. You don't need to remind God. And you don't need to remind the devil. You need to remind yourself. The devil just wants to know if you are, and the Father says, come close to me. You draw close unto me, and I'm going to draw close unto you. That's what his words are. Amen? So don't waste your time praying, Lord, seat me in the heavenly places. You're already there. You know, say, Father, I'm already here. Thank you that I'm seated in these heavenly places, and you've already extracted me from the doom and the destruction and the power and the forces of the world and evil. Listen to what my, did you lose it again? Ma, you're too busy. She, she busy on that thing, man. She busy. I know I'm going to touch the wrong button. All right. This is, my daughter sent me this. She goes, Dad, check out this conver conversation that Asher had with his dad. Now, Asher is our miracle grandson. It's twins that were born that she wasn't supposed to have children. Asher and Annika, they're big. They're tall. They're over four years old, and they look like they're eight years old. They, you know, the tall mom, tall dad, and they're big. And, and, um, and Asher is just really starting to put things together. I call him the engineer. He's a builder. 
Everything he sees, he wants to figure out how it works, how to take it apart. He doesn't know if he can put it back together, but I call him the engineer. That's what he is. So this is what the engineer said to his daddy. Listen to this. This is from the mouth of a four-year-old out of the middle of nowhere. Asher hugged Neil's leg, his daddy's leg, and he said, Daddy, I can't find you. Daddy said, I'm right here, buddy. What do you mean? Asher said, no, when you were getting built from God. Now, remember, I started developing this series three weeks ago, and the beginning of it was getting built by God. When you get built by God. Daddy says, when was I getting built from God? Asher, yeah. Daddy says, were you looking for me? Asher says, yeah, when you were getting built from God, and I couldn't find you. How powerful is that? I mean, you can't, you can't make stuff up like that. They live in New York, you know. And so it, it's, it's, it's in the genes, you know. It's in, it's, in, it's in the makeup. And this little engineer was receiving a download from the Holy Spirit that he knew that he and his daddy had transformed from time. And there was another time when he was looking for his daddy, but he couldn't find him yet. Oh, and, then he, and then he finally said, he says, Daddy, I'm so happy to find you. And he hugged his leg. Profound. Isn't that profound? That's prophetic. And I said, wow, Lord. I mean, he got this while I was in Africa. This little boy, four-year-old boy, my grandson, got this download while I was in Africa and out of the mouth of babes. So I want you to understand something. God knew you from before the beginning of time. He knew you. You may have not known your earthly mother or father yet. You might have been looking for him, but God already knew you. Amen? And, 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 and he was building, building you for such a time as this. So let's go on to this very quickly. I don't want to go much further. Number 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Do you know that that word created is a root word in the Hebrew, if you were to take it down, of yasar? which means the same as Genesis 1.26. You were made and built to be completed in the image of God. For we are his workmanship, made and built to be completed in Christ Jesus. For what? Unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should, what? Walk in them. Now, let me tell you something. We always personalize good works. Oh, it's for me to do good works. But you see, that's why we need fresh revelation because it works both ways. Yes, it's for us to do good works, but it's also for you to be the benefactor of good works. It's called favor. For us to have the favor of God, we have been ordained before the beginning. And we should what? Walk in them. Walk in the favor of God. I know I have the favor of God, not because I'm so great or I've done something, because God has promised me his favor. I need to walk in that favor. Favor is the same way you're saved. It's by grace. It's by grace. By grace, I have the favor of God. And, and I should walk in those good works because God says he has performed them for me and for you. Why? Because you are his workmanship. You're his workmanship. Let's move on and, and see this for a moment and walk into them. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ. What time? The time before you were extracted from the bobsled. 
the time before you were walking the course of the world. When it says, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, stop right there. What's an alien? Well, we're sure hearing a lot about it these days. Illegal aliens, right? Illegal. They're, they're, they don't have citizenship rights. There was a time you didn't have a citizenship right. I'm not going to get into a lot about the commonwealth of Israel other than to tell you, Paul used the word here, commonwealth, because he is referring to a government, a kingdom government, a spiritual government, not natural Israel. And we realize what? Romans 11:25. be not ignorant of this mystery, lest you're wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness, the fullness, the fullness of what is that word? It's a derivative of the word asa. Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Until the construction, the building of the church has come in. And then all Israel shall be saved. You see how amazing God is? He's building and building and building and building. And you're part of it. You're not only a building piece, you're a builder. You're building with God for the kingdom of God that is eternal and lasts forever. And he says, when you were aliens of this government, of this commonwealth, you were strangers then from the covenants of promise. There are covenants of promise that God has made to you that go all the way back to Abraham. And God is not a man that he should lie. He's keeping his words. You have walked into those covenants of promise and God is continuing to build you and to build them having hope and without God in the world. That's who you were. That's who people that are lost are. But verse 13, you were once far off. You were once far off but are nigh. And that word nigh is a Greek word. It's engus. And it literally, you're gonna, this is going to bless your heart. You were far off made nigh by the blood of Christ. You know how that translates the word nigh? It translates literally is in the Greek as if it's a throttle. Something that you squeeze. And when you squeeze it, you have a handle to maneuver. You now are nigh. You can squeeze the throttle of God. You're in his hand. His hand is, is marking you. And you can, have any of you ever seen a joystick on an airplane? One of the, you know, we used to practice on those when we learned to fly. And, and there was a throttle. The throttle was here, the joystick was here. You push the throttle, you move the joystick. Joystick down, joystick up. Joystick left, joystick right, and, and you had power. You have the throttle. When you go close to God, you are made nigh by the blood of Christ. It means you can move to the throttle of God to have all power. That's becoming part of an overcomer. You were far off, but now you're there. He's removed the wall, and you have now access to him Verse 19, you're no longer a stranger, but you're fellow citizens with the household of God. Finally, verse 21, all the building, every piece, every person, everyone connected to God is fitly framed together as a piece of the holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, in whom you are builded, constructed to completion for a habitation of God through the Spirit. I'm going to stop here. And I want to just leave this tidbit. I know we covered a lot. I wanted to get this foundation down. It's going to become a lot more exciting for you, I believe. But you have to have this foundation. There's a process in, in the word. It's called perfection. And Jesus intended and the Holy Spirit intends to keep working us towards perfection. You're never going to get there here on this earth. 
It's a process of perfecting. It's a process of completing to what God has made us to be. But know this, you are a work in process. And you're a work in process to be made perfect. And so sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes we rejoice. But that's why we can say what Paul said in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes in Christ Jesus. There's a process working in you. I confess that. Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes it doesn't go exactly the way you want it to go. But if we stay true to God and we'll believe God for it, and even when we swagger and begin to fall away, by his grace, he'll pull us back in and redeem us immediately and keep that work and process going. I don't know about you, but it does me great joy to realize that I'm his workmanship. It does me great realize that I'm his clay and he is the potter. It does me great uh, uh, realizing to know that he's the master carpenter and stone chiseler and I'm the piece that he's making. But it does me even better to know this, that he's promised me that he's gonna complete the job that he's begun in me and he's gonna complete it to the fulfillment of the word of God to perfection. That, that blesses me. I don't know about you because I'm pretty hard on myself. And, 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 and when I stumble or fall in something or miss God in something, I'm really hard on myself. And I need to remind myself I'm in that heavenly place and God's going to complete the work. And that I don't have to do it myself. And that God's not going to hold it against me. That his motivating force from Genesis 1.26 was, let us make Anne in our image. Let us make Tommy in our image. Let us make Jim in our image. Let us make Sherry in our image. Let's talk about Dawn in our image. Let's, let us make Dawn in our image. When, when, you, when you let that sink into your spirit and you put your name on it, you realize God's going to do everything he needs to do to perfect you to perfection. I, I don't know about you, Jim, but that sure blesses my socks off because I need that. I need that. And especially if, you know, and, and all of you are, we all are, we're working in the world. You don't have a pastor that doesn't work in the world. I work. My hands are tough. You can, you know, you feel them. I work in the world. It, it's hard in the world. You're amongst people that, that don't talk like we want to talk. They don't, they don't act like we want to act. They do things that we don't want them to do. It's, it's like, oh, my God, we get worn down by the day, and you've got to take six showers, and you still don't feel clean, right? But God is perfecting you, and you're in a heavenly place, and he's holding you right in his bosom, right in his bosom. Amen? Amen? So <clears throat> with that, I'm going to pray in a moment. Well, let me pray right now. Father, let that settle into our spirits, Lord. And Father, thank you. I know this wasn't the most exciting message so far, Father, but I know it's foundational, so let us build upon it. And let it, let it soak into our spirits so that we can build layers and pieces upon it as we get into the realization of the things that we have, the authorities, the powers, the gifts that we have to bring into reality, how you've made promises for our children and our children's children and our families and the things that we put our hands to. And Father, how you've made it easy for us to, to get along with each other if only we'll believe it. Father, there's so much more you're going to show us. But right now, let this seek into our spirits and our hearts that we are your workmanship. 
And that, Father, you, de you designed us from the beginning of time to be successful, to have triumphs, to overcome, to be victorious, and to be special. To be special, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for each and every special person that's here, that's in earshot of this message. Thank you as you encourage us and lift us up. In Jesus' name, amen.